Thank you for checking out the Image Method podcast. This is a show about creating images, and this is an enhanced podcast, and that means that the images we are talking about appear as album artwork in iTunes, if you're using iTunes to listen to the show. Just turn on the view album artwork option in iTunes, and you will see the images to which we are referring on the show. You can find out more about us at imagemethod.blogspot.com and the show notes for this show as well as others uh, can be found easily there. In this episode, we'll talk specifically about still photography. Our guest is Lucas Allen. He is a commercial photographer who specializes in shooting interior spaces. He shoots for magazines like Vogue Living and Martha Stewart's Real Simple. When I saw him working recently, I was impressed by the way he put his images together. He lit with natural soft light, which was extremely efficient and completely elegant. I spoke with Lucas in a noisy bar, and uh, so I apologize for the abundant background noise. Lucas Allen, thank you for talking to me today on the Image Method Podcast. That's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Tell me how you got to where you are today. What the what was the path you took to becoming a successful photographer? Well, I used to I studied photography throughout school and uh, was very keen. Even from 15, 16 years old, I was very keen to be a photographer. My dad was a graphic designer, and so he. I always knew that I was either going to be a graphic designer because I saw the industry through his business or uh, photographers in those creative fields and then when I was in high school we had a work experience uh, program and I had did one week uh, with a photographer as his assistant and this was when I was about 16 and then another week at an advertising agency and these were help you know my dad helped me organize the assisting gig with the photographer and so I just got a taste for it and thought this is great I love this I can do this for a living you know and so um, quite liked the whole you know powerful things gadgets and dark rooms and you know even though I don't really shoot like that anymore it's quite funny what do you, what do you think um, what do you love about it what was the thing that turned you on the most about it well back when I started I guess it was would have been 1988 when I did work experience I suppose it was the immediacy you know the whole the whole uh, creating images with light and the immediacy of of the process was always what attracted me so much. I feel like I've always been visual, visually cued into what's on around me, even when I was young. And when I found photography, I was like, "Oh, wow!" You know, a light went off, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is kind of suits my my way of thinking and my way of being." So. Anyway, I loved the dark room back in those days. I loved being able to print, and I loved the the sign. I loved the mixture of art and science that photography gives you, because I think um, the best photographers are the ones that have equal parts scientist and artist. And usually, the best ones will fall on one side or the other of that centre divide. But I think the people who are purely artists struggle. And even the most successful art photographers, I think, are genuinely 
fruity, pragmatic sort of people like um, you know Andreas Gursky and Gregory Crudson and some of the biggest, most successful art photographers. I would be very surprised aren't fairly scientific thinkers in a way. You know, they they technically they know their stuff. yeah they're technically adept, and you can tell it just by looking at their work how technically adept they are. I was looking at your portfolio at um, lucasallen.com and um, there's a lot of interiors, a lot of um, um, home decor type of stuff and there's also fashion photography and I was wondering, when you put your portfolio together, what, do you, what did you want to communicate to the people who might hire you and when clients call you, what do they think they're getting? Okay. Well, I think that when I put my folio together and my, especially my folio, but also my website is usually a sort of a connection and extension of my folio really, I'm usually trying to show a creativity beyond, the, you know, the standard view of things, but show my way of seeing things so that they don't have misapprehensions about what I'm going to give them when they when they hire me. You know, I, I like to see things in a very graphic way and I think I usually take it from a, a fairly graphic gridded sort of base and then I'll usually try and throw some chaos into the mix and that's kind of what that's the way that I have previously sort of tried to define my style it tends to be graphic with a bit of chaos thrown in and that's that's people sort of have responded to that uh, I usually set see my folios in, in pairs and I genuinely will what I'll do when I lay out my folio is I'll print out a lot of thumbnail images you know maybe two or three hundred thumbnail images and I'll group them into genres of, of images which the client which are important to the clients to see you know you need to be able to show the range somewhat and then I'll start to group strong double page spreads together um, and that's and having them as small you know three by two inch thumbnails on the on a big table really helps you in a short space of time really get a, a bird's eye view of what it's going to look like that, and you get to feel the flow of what's going on yeah so in terms of getting my putting my website together in in my Australian lucasallen.com was set up in Australia and is very much still suited to the Australian market which is a little bit more diverse a photographer can be a bit more diverse in Australia uh, we can you know I can shoot fashion and I can shoot interiors and still life in Australia without being seen to be a jack of all trades master of none which you tend to get that attitude in America you really are expected to specialize more and which is valid because it's the size of the market allows people to be more specialists but I was never very happy shooting just one thing and so you know I always liked to be able to shoot fashion and people and because shooting people gives me a buzz I really enjoy it I noticed um in looking at some of the photos on your website that um, some of the fashion shots and some of the portraits it, it occurs to me that you almost shoot people as if they're things I yeah I, I think that's true I think that's very true and I do I think of a portrait as a big still life in a way often but having said that 
there is an element beyond that in terms of the way you direct the model because you can only get through to a model with emotional kind of stimuli you know you can't just go turn your face to the left and that's where the light looks good because if there's no mood or no feeling in that person and what they're doing then it fails you know you can't really shoot a person just like a sculpture but a lot of the fashion that I've got on my website was done with a particular fashion editor that I work with a lot and her style is also very much in that kind of structured um, controlled style with with me and I think that's because she sees that as a strength of my work and so when we get together we often do that <laughs> we often tend to do that and it's quite funny because my fashion work has a, a uh, maybe a clean sort of studio based look even though most of my interiors and still life are kind of more real and natural light and you know I'm very much into using natural light and so it, it, maybe it's because I, I'm satisfying that urge of, that I have um, through my fashion work. Mm -hmm. What do you suppose is your process for composing an image? Let me get into the nitty-gritty here. Right. What's going through your mind when you're putting the frame together? Okay. If I'm working with a client, I'll usually get a very clear idea about what that client wants from the job. And I will ask them that direct question. I'll say, what is important in this picture? And then that you use that as your basis, and then I will usually try and frame an image in a pleasing way to me, ignoring maybe what's going on with the light or usually in the back of my mind I'm, I know pretty much what I'm going to do with the lighting once I've found the right angle so usually if I I, I will keep that in mind but I'll, you know, I'll get the strongest composition for me which is often follows some kind of patterns but I think I recognise certain patterns in my, my approaches but um, I will sometimes see something and go, oh, wow, I haven't really seen it from there before and we'll take a risk and sometimes it will work and other times it won't. But, yeah, usually I'll grow the image from, from composition first and tones and then I will then start building light up. And I'll often start from very little light and add it in or else I'll start from a lot and subtract it a lot by using a lot of cutters and, and knock it right, right back. When you're composing a shot, how much do you feel is coming from instinct and how much do you feel is coming from knowledge about compositional uh, rules and methodology that you learned when you were in school? You definitely find that if you understand the rules, it's easier to break them. And, and I think there, I've definitely um, learned compositional rules in my schooling and from observ observing other photographers' work and, you know, self-education and looking at art and, you know, you just try and sort of understand why does this painting work or why does this photograph work so well or, you know, and you can start to sort of pull it apart. But it, there is an instinct and I think some people just don't have... The, the ability to see it, certain, you know, a, 
the strongest way possible. But I'm not saying that I do, but I'm. But in, but um, yeah, the, the, the compositional um, rules are there, and then I usually will try and evade them, you know, or, or use them, and but recognise when the, it's following. You know the rule of thirds, or the you know like too obviously, and you sort of like will start to break the rules, and that often will lead to a, a stronger composition in the in the long run. Like you know the photographer Henri Cartier-Bresson, I would say is one of my favourite composers of an image of all photographers, past or present, and he worked in a 35 millimeter frame, which is one of the hardest mm-hmm. formats to to frame up yeah. in... With a rangefinder like that. Yeah, it's, it's, he had an incredible talent and hardly ever cropped his images. So it was all done in camera exactly the way he pictured it. And I think famously one of the only images that he cropped considerably was the, the jumping across the pond image with the, in the rain um, because something... It was, he was impossible to to crop something out from where he was standing so he he always thought that he was he would cut crop it in but yeah so he he was incredible and he never followed the expected rules of composition that you know Cartier-Bresson works in a in a you know he's famous for his uh, decisive moment uh, thesis you work in a very different style in a studio uh, approach I'm wondering like uh, you know, the idea is that you're you're developing a story within one frame and you're composing all these elements and putting it in a frame and it occurs to me that there's a lot of story there and when you make a decision, um, it seems as if you're kind of developing a on some level a rationale for why would this be here or why is that background such but you're able to think about it. Do you ever work in in a mode where you're um, you can't think about it, where it's pure instinct in the way that Cartier-Bresson probably had to do often? Yes, and I would like to be able to work like that more often. <laughs> you know, because it's a much more fun and free way to be. And so a lot of, I guess my, a lot of my personal work, I would sort of go out and just just be, be loose and not not get ever use a tripod and I just kind of will try and, and it, it, maybe it's just like a breath of fresh air for me when I work like that. And some, in previous jobs though, I've used that as a basis of the job. I've gone from the very beginning of the job thought, this shoot is all about really loose, unstructured, stuff so I was, so I set my mind I will not use a tripod on this job I will shoot faster film so I can handhold it I'll I will um, let things happen and it it's still in my folio still some of the strongest images that I've taken it's a series that I did in Kangaroo Valley for a magazine in Australia and um, it was a mixture of fashion and interiors and I think the added aspect of it being a fashion interior story gave me an added sort of, you know, buzz to try and make us a, a more interesting, dynamic series of images. And I wanted to break my own habits, you know, because I, I, I was definitely falling into certain familiar traps and realising that you're doing this too often. <laughs> so it was like, 
break it, you know. What is your method for pushing yourself and avoiding being in a rut or repeating yourself too much? Do you have any approach to solving that rut problem? Um, I think it's just about ambition and I'm fairly ambitious as a person, I guess. I'm competitive to a certain extent. Uh, with my peers and I always want to be doing a better job than I did last time and I think that photography is all about that and so it's all about the tools that you have are making doing a better job with your lighting or doing a better job with your composition or thinking about the concept better or you know they're, your, they're the things that you can change so they're the things you have control over so um, the impetus for me to to want to change um, or to keep improving, I guess, is just because I don't want to be one of those photographers that at 50 years old wakes up and realises that what have I been doing for the last 20 years? I, I don't really have any memorable shoots that I've enjoyed, you know, and so I guess that's that's part of it. And that's one of the reasons why we came to America, was, was about throwing some serious challenges and risk in our lives. You know, my partner and I came over a year ago, just less than a year, and um, we, you know, after I've been shooting for 12 years for my, myself in Australia, in my own business, and I was reaching that point where I felt, if I keep doing things the way I'm doing them, I'm going to be a sad 50-year-old photographer doing the same old, same old. So we decided, well, let's live overseas somewhere and throw ourselves back to the back to square one. And so that's what we did. So you've been in Brooklyn for a year. How has being in Brooklyn changed your work or your way of seeing things? I don't know if it's changed my work so much. It's possibly been because of the subject matter that I've been given or hired to shoot. I find inspiration in what I see around me. It's very urban and very... I see great um, textures and fantastic tableau all the time. Like, I, and because I guess it's it's the the, um, the shock of the new, you know, you, you if you, you get a bit sort of... Um, used to what's around you and you don't keep looking a lot of the time and when you come as a foreigner coming to a new place you always see it with such fresh eyes you know and so I guess that's been giving me visual sort of st stimulus so uh, that that's that's maybe changed my work in, the, in that but but I suppose it's really been more because of the kind of clients that I've been shooting for have been dictating what my work's been like since I got I got here. Really, I suppose. So mainly interiors, mainly mainly um, for editorial clients, mostly magazines, and then also for catalogues for, for some interiors companies. So in looking at some of your images, there's one in particular that I uh, wanted to talk to you about. I should remind the listeners now that the images we are talking about can be seen by turning on the album artwork view feature if you're using iTunes to listen to this show. Um, the images can also be seen in the show notes which are located at imagemethod.blogspot.com.
But for those who cannot see the image, I'm referring to a shot of a room in a very well-appointed house with contemporary art photographed in a very formal aesthetic of uh, black and white. Looking at this image, I was wondering about the kind of visual sleight of hand you were doing with, it, with this image. It seems like you're playing with two-dimensionality and three-dimensionality within the same image. There's some kind of sight gags going on. Yeah, it's it's definitely was an intention to play on the whole graphicness of the space. The the sort of the backstory, I guess, is that this the woman who lives in this house is a is an art dealer, and so I wanted to sort of approach her apartment almost as if it was its own piece of art. You know, she she has an incredibly modernist sort of sensibility, and it was kind of almost to a ridiculous level, like where you, it's so clean, that, and so I didn't want to spoil the, the cleanliness of the way she has it, like it's, everything is just like, just so, and everything's like the top designers of everything, you know, and so I framed up this image, and I thought, you know, it, 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 I spent a bit of time trying to work out whether I should, um, use which part of the image I should use as my center line effectively you know and um, I thought right well this is pretty much straight down the barrel is a very interesting way to, to place it because it also had this overhanging ceiling which broke it up so that you got this even though it was sort of split in half visually it looked like almost two halves of two different pictures in one picture and so yeah it was about that and then once once I sort of had decided okay I'm going to use this center line and not just not shy away from just running it right down the middle you know which you know a lot of people would go oh well it's a bit obvious for me to run it right down the middle but I just thought well in this case because she's so structured and she's so whatever it just suited her place you know and so I did that and then I thought well maybe we can play with the stools move them to break the line a little bit just to sort of also draw your eye to the fact that they are dead center you know and then the stylist saw this Jeff Koons dog you know sculpture over on the other side of the room and threw it in front of the uh, the stainless steel kitchen bench and I just thought that was great because it just really became almost like this yin and yang factor of like the white dog against the black you know the what the black squares are on the white wall so it sort of was a, a play on all of those little things and also drew attention to her art collection I suppose. There's some other photos on your website I wanted to ask you about which are completely opposite of that there are these two photos here right. I can't even tell what the product is or object <laughs> is can you talk about those a little bit? Sure well this was something that as an art director friend of mine and a stylist friend of ours as well we decided we were going to do as a folio piece so it was just a test it was just a creative test that we did and what she did was she took pieces of jewellery and froze them into ice blocks in her freezer overnight and added food colouring to some of the ice blocks as well and then we threw them down on a light box and photographed them so basically it's about it was just um it's jewelry immersed in ice blocks <laughs> how do you feel about them as images i loved them at the time i think if i were to do it again i there are a few things i would improve on them uh, lighting wise i now wish that i had 
put a glass shelf in first and rested the ice blocks on the glass, then backlit it from a distance because then I would have been able to create a stronger black edge and I think it would have really read more clearly as being an ice block. But because it, we were sort of up against it with the melting and things, the time I had to light them was limited. So I, I think they're interesting for what they are, usually because people are intrigued by what the hell is it. <laughs> The way you talk about those, it occurs to me that you probably do a lot of learning from every shoot and you get critical about it and it seems like being able to act fast, do what you need to do because of the situation, but also look back at the work and say what would you have done differently or how could you have improved it um, is uh, a big a big part of it and it's on a technical level. And I'm wondering, does that happen in a lot of your shoots and how important is that for photographers who are developing their style in general, do you think? I think it just, just comes with experience. You, you, after, I mean, I've worked for, what, 15 years as a photographer now. Well, it's 13 for myself and two years assisting another photographer. And so now I would like to think I know pretty well what, if I do something, what it's going to do. But you always get interesting, happy surprises and happy accidents and things. And so there's, there's something to be said for the happy accident. But I think that... The more you take pictures and the more you try different things and the more you experiment with things, the more you'll learn and the more you'll understand what light does. And that's really what photographers are, you know, we're light mechanics, you know, we have to understand what light does and that's our tool, you know, so, and you do get to understand what light does, but each person has their own take on it, you know, I might dislike a certain style of lighting whereas another person will think it looks fantastic. So. You know, it's a taste thing, and I guess the the only uh, the proof of it is in if you get hired. <laughs> if you're getting hired to do it, then obviously someone likes it. I suppose. Do you ever do a job you hate or make an image that you thought was the worst thing you've ever seen and it bothered you? And how do you deal with uh, that? Um, all the time. All the time I take an image, and from day to day it will change. And usually, what will happen is I'll hate it so vehemently on the day and then a week later I look back on it and go oh that wasn't so bad it was I could have been better but you know I would really beat myself up over that and that was unnecessary so it, I think that happens and maybe that's just a perfectionist streak in me and I just uh, and it probably is a benefit in some areas but if I could if I could mask my dissatisfaction better would probably be a, a smooth sail a smoother sailing for everyone but um, I think it's, it's it's healthy to be self-critical, you know, as long as you um, see your good stuff and be proud of the good stuff that you do and don't let it get to you too much if you take a, a bad image once in a while. Lucas Allen, thank you very much for talking to me today. It's my pleasure, thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation with commercial photographer Lucas Allen. You can find out more information about Lucas as well as see some of his work and the pictures we've been talking about on the show if you go to imagemethod.blogspot.com. If you have any feedback for us, you can email us at imagemethod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. My name is T.W. Lee and thank you for tuning in.